Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Transform TV podcast series. Today, we are joined by Pierre Mill, who is an old friend, and I've known him for a long time, so this conversation is going to be great. Uh, Pierre is the former director of Plan and Deliver from Friesland Campina. Pierre, welcome. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you very much, Maria. What, what, what a warm welcome. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Um, yeah, my name is Pierre. I'm, uh, I'm 55 years old. I'm a French national. I've been uh, having the chance to work in some of the uh, big companies around the world, Blue Chiefs, uh, Private Equity and, and Cooperative. I spent 10 years of my life in, uh, in finance and finally exiting finance, uh, a good 20 years of my life in supply chain procurement. I've been a planner, customer service excellence, the VP for supply chain Italy. Uh, for Unilever, I worked at Carlsberg. Uh, I worked in retail Grand Vision, uh, uh, which is an optical retailer. And uh, the last job was in Frisland Campina as a, as a plan and deliver director for the uh, the business group Consumer Dairy. That's that's a sizable uh, six billion euros business, and that's probably the most uh, FMCG part of this uh, dairy business. Well, you, you've had a, you've had a, a lot of roles. And, and I think that today we're going to be talking about something that's close to your heart, isn't it? Which is customer centricity in the supply chain. Yeah, um, I, was, I was driven into the, literally, uh, I was brought into this when I was customer service excellence of, um, of Unilever for, for a period of four years. And, and really I had great masters there that, that had that view that um, supply chain was only working right when it was customer driven. And, and since then, I think every top 25 Gartners uh, that, that we see references supply chains that are fundamentally customer driven. So I think that's, that's the right spot. The second thing um, is that if we think um, honestly where businesses are coming from in the end, are, are any of our business ideas are coming from the fact that we have consumers and customers who have needs and we need to satisfy. So it's just it's just natural in some sort of way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I know you recently wrote two articles uh, about the importance of building customer centricity into the supply chain mm-hmm. and uh, you're an advocate, aren't you, of putting the customer first. Um, you know, we keep hearing about the customer's king, all that stuff, but let me ask you, is it possible you think though uh, to always solve uh, supply chain problems mm-hmm. with your customers in mind? Uh, especially when you think about the times that we're living in with increased mm. uncertainty and disruption, is it feasible? It's a great question. Uh, so first thing is, thanks for, for referencing the two articles. They're, they're on my LinkedIn profile, so everybody can access them. Um, yes, Maria, the customer is king. Um, and, and the tendency we have sometimes is being uh, so uh, inward focused within our business and having so many problems to, to resolve is that we tend to, to forget about it. So to your question, um, certainly, even more in times of increased uncertainty and disruption, I think it's fundamental to go back to the principle, right? To, to understand why is it that we are having a business? And, and I think that when we do this, when, when we start looking at the, the conundrums that we have, the noise that we have in supply chain, the, 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 the issues that we have, the black swans that keep repeating and hitting our supply chain, if, if we... I'm really a believer that if we start thinking about these issues from the customer perspective, what is in for them, there really is a, a optimal way to address um, the question of what problem are we trying to solve? Mm-hmm. If, you know, the, the demonstration by, by the, the other way will be 
if we are only addressing these issues from an upstream supply chain perspective, from a disruption of supply perspective, from a production perspective, from a stock issue, um, how is that going to be answering any of the problem that our retailers, our customers, our consumers are having, right? So I think specifically now, I, I don't want to mention 2020, it's been a disruption, probably bigger than anyone before, but it's fundamentally just a disruption. It, it helps us realizing that our customers' needs are still there. They, they might change channel, right? They might be more online. They might be more demanding. Um, but to be able to service them, to still have a business, um, it's interesting, I think, to ask the, the, the questions of what is in for the customer. Going back to the customer is king in the end. You know, I love, I love what you said there about how it leads us to ask the question of what problem are we trying to solve? If you think mm. about all the digital transformation failures that have happened, do you think that probably it's a disconnect between, you know, companies that are transforming digitally because mm. they have to? Uh, do you think maybe they've disconnected with the question that they really should be asking, why are we doing this to what end? What, you know, mm. what problem are we trying to solve for our customer? It's... Um... It's a complicated question you're asking. I'm not. I'm not sure. I have. I have a, um, um, an yeah. authorized answer to this. But let, let, let me try out. Maybe the, the digital transformation in itself um, is irrelevant, right? The, the supply chain transformation in itself, if you take it in absolute, is irrelevant. That what is relevant is is how we need to make sure that we are connecting that supply chain as an instrument for growth in a business that has to be purpose-driven, right? And, and if we are able to do this, then we remain in touch with our customers and our consumers. So the, the, the necessity for transformation only happens when um, there are issues happening that are not being resolved, right? Mm -hmm. I, I mentioned this in, the, uh, in my first article. Um, what happens then is if we are not addressing and if we're a little bit too slow in moving behind what the business is doing, then the supply chain gets uh, not in sync anymore at all with the market. And that's where we need transformation. That's where suddenly we need to appoint people which role is only to transform the supply chain from a organizational perspective, from a system perspective um, or, or, or process also. Today, I think um, with the... Um, machine learning and artificial intelligence abilities, which are literally democratizing by the, by yes. the week. Yeah. Um, there is, uh, within the transformation, a, a strong appetite, I think, to, to digitalization also. I, maybe two, three years ago, I wouldn't have said this, but now transforming the supply chain has to be something we do permanently. And when we do this, there must be an aspect of digitalization. Now it's a big word, digitalization mm -hmm. covers a, a big 360, right? We should be very clear about what it is that we want to do. But I think essentially it, it's about being data-driven and, and harnessing the power of these data points we have everywhere inside the business and outside the business. It can get very complex, I think, but it can get over also very simple, um, um, getting those data and also empowering the systems and the machine to do a job that becomes less and less humanly possible to deliver.
right? Mm. From a from a speed perspective, from a complexity perspective, and I think the pendant of this will be that then uh, we're able to focus the people on the things that do really matter, right? So, like customer centricity. Yes. Um, so a, a typical process which would have the customer at, at the center will be will be the within the SNOP the evaluation of of the demand or so-called forecast. And then suddenly, if you really have, so something I mentioned in my first article, if you have demon planners that are really at the interconnection and driving the conversation, rather than being keying the numbers, then you suddenly lift the power of your business to something bigger. You get the machines uh, to do what they have to do uh, better. You can automate a lot of this eventually. And you keep your, your human resources um, on what is discriminant. Um, I do not believe there is machines and humans. There is humans working better because the machines are giving them uh, uh, more opportunities, simplifying the task, automating it, making it faster. Um, we need to find that balance, I think. Now, back to your original question. If, if it's a, a massive transformation because as supply chain, we have been either lazy or disconnected or the market is moving so fast, Mm -hmm. And it's it's a big it's a big undertaking, right? If we do this every day, if transformation is really like you know hygiene, yeah, yeah. brushing your teeth, you do it every. Yeah, yeah. day. I think we can get there. We can we can get the best of both worlds. Yes, absolutely. Can I talk to you about resilience for a second? Because that's that's a, a word that has come up a lot in the last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've spoken to a lot of our supply chain leaders yes. um, and found that uh, while COVID has been mm. happening, it's been accelerating some of their digital transformation journeys, mm. but some of them have actually put them on hold. Now, one of the things that you talk about in your article is how planners react to these moments of uncertainty and disruption. Uh, is key to survival of a business. Resilience is key in action as everything. Resilience is key in action as everything. Quoting from your article, uh, and that's a really powerful quote, Pierre. Um, Thank you. Would you say that building resilience, uh, well, I'm here I'm telling you, that's a really good quote. You've, the whole article was very good. So it was kind of hard for me to pick out really good quotes, but because there's so many of them. But um, would you say that building resilience into your supply chain starts with being customer driven? I am not sure I would say it like that. Um, yeah, no, no, good. Yeah, no, yeah. But, but, How would you say it? Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, so the word resilience in itself, okay, it's it's a word that supply chain and the businesses have discovered, what, 24 months ago, something like this? Not yeah. even. Uh, 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 back to the definition of it, it's the res resilience is the capacity to recover quickly. Um, yes. And the, the problems we are seeing here, um, when, they, when they are... Um, um, driven by customer um, journey, I think, yes, I, I would really say when you are customer driven, i.e. very much in touch with your customers and their needs, um, intimate with them to the point that you understand what it is that they want better than they phrase it themselves. Yes, I, I think when you have a resilient supply chain and you start with your customers, um, it's you're in the right spot. Some of those disruptions, though, are so upstream um, that building resilience is is only addressing the how. You know how are we going to get to move uh, raw materials from A to B, process them, and ship them again. 
um, being customer driven help understanding the why we need right. to be resilient. Uh, being resilient can be something which is a bit further away. So I, I'm tempted to say, to answer yes to your question, it does help if you're customer driven um, to, to build the right resilience in your supply chain, that's for sure. Although not everything in the upstream supply chain is, is, is driven from the customer. There are buffers everywhere and, and there are issues everywhere and sometimes too far away from the customer. I think fundamentally also some of these issues, some of these problems, some of these noise should be kept away from the customer, right? Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I hope I'm answering the question in an intelligible manner, but I'm not sure there is a black and white approach to, to this, right? Well, I don't think there's a black and white approach to anything. You know, if you're going to succeed, really, if you're going to build any kind of resilience, black and white certainly isn't the way to do it. True. It's about, it's about balance. It's about where we want to, to take the risk. But, but clearly, if, if, we have, if I had to uh, build the resilience of a supply chain now in terms of risk analysis, I would start from the customers and what it is that they want. What we've seen last year, as an example, in, in Frisland Campina is um, our customers were very much with us when we asked and told them, after consultation with them, that we would reduce the portfolio by you know, 30% for a certain amount of time in order to be able to still be able to process the, the, the big items. And they understand this there was mm -hmm. no delisting right there was just like we make a post with the, the 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 tail of the portfolio so when the customer is part of it it helps us building their resilience right but, but that, that's that's a good point there that you make customer centricity and customer driven businesses you know the, the customer isn't a sort of finite opinion it's ever moving right so you've given a great example there about how maybe customer demand and customer opinion was one thing prior yeah. to COVID. It became something else that you worked on together. But the key here, again, I'm just interpreting, yeah. the key here is that in your previous role, what you did is ask the customer. The customer did play a part in building your resilience. It did play a part in building your strategy. Yes, it does. It does. But, but then, you know, uh, we have to be responsible businesses and supply chain, once you have that intimacy, then the job needs to be done in the back office. And of the, course, customers, of course, the customer doesn't have to. The customer plays a role. Exactly. Yeah, they play a role. They don't play the fundam you know, the full on role. And right. I think that's maybe, that, do you think that's maybe what confuses some people in this, in the industry, maybe in business altogether is, you know, it is this finite approach, this black and white approach. My customer's king, my customer's always right. And therefore, every decision is driven by that. When in reality, it's about balance. It's about them having a bit of a voice, you know, as opposed to none or all. Yeah, it's, uh, there is something as a balance, but you know, I, I, I believe that fundamentally supply chain were born. It's, it's a recent terminology, by the way, it's probably 40 years old, huh? so mm. as old as I am. Um, not not as old as us. Come on, you know. <laughs> but supply chain were 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 born pretty much from a a push perspective, and and a lot of what we do has to be pushed because I mean, in my former business, you you milk the cows, and you know you there is no yeah. turning the tap off, right? Yeah. Um, but but more and more, 
um, we can't push those um, products straight onto the market now because the customer and the consumers have gained a real voice over the last 20, 50, 20 mm. 30 years. The, the, the consumerism has really happened and we all want what we want. We, we express ourselves and it has to be listened to by the business. We've got a platform. Yeah, we've got a platform now. Exactly. Social media has made it so that our voice is actually important. The voice of the one lone soul, you know, customer is important. So we need to rebalance this. Uh, too long. Yeah, like, I you know, I, I, I had a job, my first job as an as a, as a integrated supply chain. I, I, I was taking from somebody that had had the role for 20 years and was an engineer. And he was often I could hear in the corridors, but why don't we sell them the stock we have? Mm. Well, the reality is they want the stock we don't yeah. because that's what <laughs> is selling, right? Yeah. So it's all good if we want to push the stock to the customers, but if they they don't want, don't it, want it. So it's mm. it's this when I say customer centric, customer driven, we need it's it's a mindset change, all right. Also. Yeah. Of, of bringing an organization to be behind entirely the business and supply chain sometimes forget that they they work for the business and customer centricity helps supply chain to remember where the true north is where where the business is going and and being an instrument for growth of the business is it's the critical mission of any supply chain i think especially nowadays when where the customer's voice is so much more you know heard uh, and uh, the customer sway has changed dramatically 20 years ago, you know, 30 years ago, it was very different. Can, can we talk briefly about um, the opportunities that have, that potentially could come out of COVID? One of the conversations or many of the conversations I've had have said that, you know, previously supply chain was seen as just a cost center mm. uh, and, um, and therefore almost you could argue in direct contrast to customer centricity uh, and uh, maybe even digital transformation. Yeah. The opportunity is maybe we can emerge out of COVID with a different mindset, like you talk about, to create more resilient business models. Mm. But how does that, and here, this is what I want to ask you from a practical perspective, mm. how does building resilience in a customer-driven supply chain coexist with the office of the CFO, you know, the office of finance, the business, the, the reality, we're mm. here for business. How does it coexist or can it? But I, I would hope that from the electroshock of 2020, we, we start mm. realizing that supply chains are of driving value within the business and, and only a cost center. I think it was Stuart within um, in one of the last Transform TV podcasts you made with him that is mentioning that, you know, thinking cost centers from supply chain is a thing of the past, really. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I can imagine that all businesses are still there, uh, seeing supply chain as a necessary evil. What, what It will always be the case that supply chain re, remains accountable for delivering cost savings, beating inflation year on year, because, you know, this, this is where it happens, right? We will always ask procurement to make savings. We, and it's, it's fair enough, fair enough. But there is also that needs to live together with this at the same level, I would say, the ambition to have a supply chain that is creating value, right? That is managing not lower stock, but managing, as an example, the right stock in the right place. And I think there, um, a, a, a lot of the 
conversation we just had before on, on digitization, the power of data is going to help us to be much mm -hmm. more reliable on this sort of thing. So um, the two have to coexist, I think. Yeah. We need to remember that supply chain is the back office of the business. This is what it is, right? So we have to deliver cost savings. We have to help the business being better off. We are a big contributor to the margin. Um, at the same time, we can be, as supply chain, a big contributor to the growth of the business if we act decisively on the right uh, um, um, elements of the strategy. So maybe the plea here would be to really be um, um, aligning the supply chain strategy, not, not, not for its own sake, but really behind the business strategy. I, I, I know that when I say this, people are going to say, oh, we all do this. The reality is, are we? really all aligning our supply chain strategy behind the business strategy. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's maybe something that is really fundamental for this, you know, coming out of COVID and what we have ahead of ourselves, don't you? Um, now, can, can we talk a little bit about practicalities? I know we don't have much time left. So what advice would you give the audience listening in terms of practically implementing uh, a customer driven supply chain what kpis what metrics yeah. you know what learnings uh i'm you know it's a big loaded question but what 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 do you think you could do to add you know in that sense yeah i i, I have um a, a, the simple answer to this would be to go back to the uh, to the three steps to customer centricity which i've tried to make as simple as possible the the, the first thing is address the right number. Let's make sure that uh, the KPI and the metrics that we are managing in supply chain are the one that matters to the customer. Okay, mm -hmm. so if the customer wants to talk on time, let's manage on time for them and not in full. Um, I'm making it black and white here. The yeah. second thing really is, is to address the number and measure the KPI in the same way the customer does. Um, they all have their tricks, their ways of computing data. Let's make sure that we compute the data for that KPI in the same manner they do. That, that really helps having that, that right level of conversation with the customer. The third thing is once we're measuring the right metric and we're measuring it the way the customer does, let's make sure that the rest of the supply chain knows about it because then you know, when that number is in the face of every uh, warehouse operator and, and shop floor operator in factories, then they have a better connect with the, with, with the customer. That's about the metrics. And, and I'm resolutely looking at metrics because I, I really believe that what get measured, you can get understood and get worked on mm -hmm. through root cause analysis, et cetera. The second aspect of it is really about the culture. Um, and the people within the business. Um, the culture needs to change from being a lot of sentiment driven to be much more data driven. And, and therefore we need to have people in the business that understand this, that are um, digital savvy, if you wish, that are enable, uh, en enabling uh, the, the, the data set to come to life. Uh, it probably needs a bit of a change of approach and capability in some places, but that's what I would, I would do, I would look at the KPIs, talking about the, those that matters for the customer, measuring them as the customer does, and, and displaying them within the end-to-end -end supply chain. And I will work on um, having a data-driven culture and make sure that people that are in the business are, are enabling those, those numbers in their decision-making process. Does it, does it sound yeah. like 
simple, simple and active. Well, no, enough. you make it sound easy. You make it sound easy, oh. but I think here's here's the problem: is that uh, most businesses they might even think that they have a data-driven culture. They might think that they are data-driven themselves, but yeah. in practice, it's very difficult, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And why do you think that is? Do you think it's a cultural thing, a mindset thing, a technical expertise thing? Uh, because, you know, I think I mentioned it, is, is when, when we say digitalization, that, that covers a, a full 360. And when we say that data-driven, we say nothing, really. Um, mm. The, the, the thing is, it's, it's, if we say, oh, I want a data-driven business, again, what problem are we trying to solve, right? What is it that we're trying to address through the data? Mm-hmm. My first question would be, what is the issue you're having and you're trying to solve? Because yeah, then, yeah. yes, we can extract the right set of data. If we don't have it, we will create it. It will take time. We can even get, you know, data from outside the the, the enterprise, the company. Um, but data without intelligence is no information. And from the information, we need to apply insight to exactly have something meaningful. And you, the, 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 you, you can't do this like full spectrum. It has to be driven. Again, it has to be. Um, um, I'd say, uh, enlightened by the business strategy. So that is where we can start looking at the right data to actually um, um, yeah, support that business strategy. And there is a lot that we won't do there, but there is very specifics that we will need to do. Um, that, that, that's, what I would, um, that, that's what I would suggest. Or that that's how I would answer your, your question. I think, yeah, I think that, well, a lot remains to be seen. I think there's this is an ongoing conversation because if one thing we know about transformation, it's ongoing. Mm. You know? Yeah, you're right. And and then you know you were mentioning how does it work with the with the office of the CFO. Um, um, I think we need to be very specific. So trying to understand what what issues we're trying to resolve, what what point are we trying to address, and then get to that very very. Um, um, break it down to something very small. If, if we mention digitalization, what happens is we, we, even, we, we start thinking business case. We start thinking millions of euros that need to be invested. We need to, and we start thinking, you know, uh, machine learning and all the big, big words that go with it. And, and it's scary. It's frightening, mm-hmm. right? Rather than if we have a real business conversation um, around, let's say, how do I increase my sales by having less lost sales with those key customers of mine? Then we start having already an entry point. We know which we can understand which sort of data we will need to get to to actually address this. And we start Wait, with this, right? You're talking about business value and you know, you're you know, expressing business value. Uh, mm. and that's speaking the language really of the CFO as opposed to going there with a big check, you know, asking for a big check. Well, yeah. it, it won't it won't stop the surprise guy to ask for the big check at some point in time, but at least at least at, at least they'll come they'll come armed. With, at least with, he might have share stakeholders on board with him, right? Yeah, yeah. Pierre, I want to thank you for being part of this podcast series. No doubt we will probably have you again, especially if you keep writing articles. We're gonna to have to interview you and you know and, and get your expertise because you have worked across so many different uh, industries, so many different companies that are you know very important companies. So I want to thank you for being here. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your time today. (laughs) Thank you.
Thank you. For those of you watching at home, we'll catch you again at the next one. Thank you.